Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. Just, I want to start off with this picture. It's, it's football season, and some of you are like, yay, football season. And if you're anything like my family, they're like, Dad, why in the world do you have football on the TV tomorrow? I said, because Texas is on and I don't like Alabama. So, um, anyway, so I want to show you a picture here. This Maybe you know who this guy is. This guy is Vince Lombardi. This is Vince Lombardi being carried off. In the 1961 NFL Championship, he wins 37-0. But let me take you back six months before this picture was taken. Six months before it was taken, Vince Lombardi came in, and the season before, his Green Bay Packers lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. And they lost in the game right before the Super Bowl. It wasn't really the Super Bowl then. It was called the NFL Championship. And you can think about it for, for offseason that these players come. They're coming to first day of practice, and they're thinking, okay, We've got to do what it takes to get past that game, and we've got to get in the NFL championship. And so they all come, and there's about 38 players who show up that day, and they show up waiting for coach, and they've been thinking about this all summer long, and they approach. And Vince Lombardi does something so uncharacteristic and something they really didn't expect. And so in this book, it says, it says this, he, this author captures exactly what he did, and it, it is it's called the, the When Pride Still Mattered and the Voice of Vince Lombardi, and it's David Moranis, and he explains what happened when he walked into training camp, and here's what it says. It says he looked for nothing, he took nothing for granted. He began a tradition by starting from scratch, assuming the players were a blank slate who carried no knowledge from the year before. And then he began with the ultimate elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, holding a pigskin in his right hand, this is a football. And think about that for a second. You have 38 men who get paid to play professionally football, and you come in and you tell them, hey, gentlemen, today, this, I'm going to let you know this is a football. But here's the thing about Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi went back to the fundamentals, and he went back to the basics. And he got in that practice, and he opened up his playbook, and he went out to playbook, uh, and he opened a page one and play one. And they went over it and over and over. And it even says that one of the right receivers kind of joked and said, hey, coach, can you just kind of slow down a little bit? You're going too fast for us. And he kind of smiled, and he went on. And he said, okay, let's do it again. And so he began to just began to go back to the basics and the fundamentals of, uh, of football. And that year, he really got his players to understand over and over again until they got it right. This is a football, this is how you block, and this is how you tackle. And what happened was, when every other team took it for granted, his team was learning it over and over and over again. And for Vince Lombardi, 1961 was the excuse me, was the year that marked him as one of the greatest coaches ever. Because in that 1961, if you go back to that picture, he goes and he wins the national championship and he beats the New York Giants 37-0. to But that season was incredible because that season marked and it was a launch pad for the seasons to come. Vince Lombardi etched his name in, in history and Vince Lombardi never ever 
from that moment on, coached a team that had a losing record because he went back to the basics. And you can go to any great coach. And when I was growing up, it was John Wooden. You can go back to John Wooden. He went back to the basics too. But imagine that. If, if you are a, a player and you're the coach and you come in and you say, hey, we're getting back to basics and this is what we're doing. I mean, that, that takes a lot. It takes a lot to bring your players back to the fundamentals and, and back to where they need to be. I mean, all these men are grown men. And they've been playing football their entire lives. But the thing about coaches and the thing about great coaches is they always bring it back to the fundamentals because fundamentals change. I mean, they don't change, but they change how you play and prepare for the game. And if you don't know the fundamentals, then you're not going to be successful, according to, to him and to John Wooden. But what, what ultimately happens is, is sometimes we overlook the basics. We overlook the fundamentals when they're so important. So that, that day, he, he becomes the greatest coach, and if believe it or not, the Super Bowl trophy is named what? The Vince Lombardi Trophy. And so he was a man who started it all with going back to the fundamentals. And see, it, it's true for some of us that we tend to skip over the fundamentals. I mean, I, if you were sitting there and you probably played professional football, you'd be like, really, coach? Seriously? Like, I know what a football is. Are you joking? But when it comes to our spiritual lives, you know what we tend to do? We tend to think sometimes we got it together and we don't need the basics. We don't need the fundamentals. We kind of just skip over the fundamentals. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks here is this. We're going to go back to those basics. We're going to go back to some of the fundamentals of our faith. And believe it or not, it'll, it'll help you in your walk with the Lord. It'll help you in your walk with what he wants you to do. And I believe if you begin to master these, you begin to have a fruitful, prosperous relationship with him. And so what we're going to do is, it was we're starting this series on prayer. And I believe if you begin to do this, that your life will change. And see, for some of us, let's, let's just go back. Let's go back to this. Do you remember the first time you prayed? Remember the first time you prayed? Think about it for a second. Because it was probably over a meal time or it was a drive time or something and you had to recite from your mom or your dad, right? And, and you re- uh, just kind of repeated what they said and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got this. But most of us would call that a formula prayer, right? You repeat after someone and then when you grow, grow into the church, right? Pastors are walking you through prayers and teachers are walking you through prayers and your parents are walking through prayers and, and they're formula prayers. Now think about this for a second. One of the things that's most common with, with formula prayers is this. They always, they always kind of go around. You're asking God for something. Think about this for a second. So you're always asking God for something, and, and then even when you get older, it's not that your your prayer your prayers might change, but the intent might not change. So what I mean by that is, how often do we come to this? We come to the Lord and we say this. We say, God, would you bless me? Would you protect me? And would you help me? It's kind of like that formula. Lord, I want you to protect me, help me, bless me, help me, bless me. Protect. And then what we do is we go a little bit further to our friends. God, would you help protect and bless our family and help protect and bless our, our friends? And I'm not saying that's bad, but it is if it's just a rut and that's all you do. Because it's just kind of this formula that you have. And, and see, some of you continue to, some of you continue to, to pray like that and some of you don't. 
And as you you uh, go through life, and, and here's what, what begins to happen. Some of you have prayed, and, and some of you have quit. And when we talk about prayer, the reason why you, you, you quit is because it's like all of a sudden you ask God for something. You said, God, would you do this? And would you help me? And would you bless me? And would you protect me? Or would you do something? And would you show up? And would you show up in a timely manner? And it's almost like a vending machine. You kind of treat God like a vending machine. Well, if I just stick, stick with the right formula and I say the right words and I push the buttons, then I'll get what I want. And it's good. And you're like, okay, well, I got, I did it right and I got what I wanted. But when you don't get what you want and God doesn't answer the way you wanted to answer, then you're frustrated. And then some of you just go, well, this prayer thing doesn't work. And I'm done. And I quit. And God might hear, but he sure doesn't answer the way I want him to answer. So you quit. And there's some of you, when you talk about prayer, some of you are like, well, I, I, I can't do that. Because when you talk about prayer, prayer is for super spiritual people. And I'm not that good enough. And I'm not that spiritual enough. And I can't pray the way that person prays. And so we have these excuses and then when it comes to someone asking us to pray, we're like, uh, no. Because not, not, not only do we not know what to say, but we just don't feel like we can do it. We feel like we're, we're not spiritual enough, that we're not good enough. And so we kind of back out of that. And there's others of us, we think, okay, well, when it comes to, when it comes to praying, you're thinking, oh my gosh, how can I do this? This is an unattainable goal. You're asking me to pray every, every week, every day. You're thinking, well, oh my gosh, I have so many demands. I've got my work, I've got my job, I've got my kids, I've got my marriage, I've got my relationships and friendships, and I have all this stuff and all these demands. And then when those demands are met, you're thinking, okay, well, how do I have enough even to give to pray? You're thinking, there's no way I can do this. This is not an attainable goal. And so we kind of go through, and we kind of go through life thinking this, that, look, if it feels like we're missing something, that I'm just missing something. Maybe if I said the right words or I did the right thing, then maybe I could just get this to work. Or maybe I don't know how it works. But see, from our, our point of view and our perspective, here's how we kind of view it sometimes. We're like, well, why does God answer some prayers and how come he doesn't answer others? Because the formula I put in about a month ago and I pushed the buttons and I said the right things, he did what I wanted him to do, but all of a sudden he's not doing what I want him to do. And so it's like it's a flip of the coin. Well, okay, 50-50, let's see. And so for some of us, prayer is like 50-50. It's, a, it's just a coin toss. And see, some of us have said, well, I'm done with, with praying. And so it's like, well, I can't afford. Okay, I know he didn't answer my prayer, but I can't afford not to pray. Like, I got to keep praying. Because I know he hears and I know he answers, but I, I need him to still to intervene. So we kind of get this point where it's like we've got all these different views of prayer and we can't really understand or really fathom what God's doing or what he's up to and how it works. But here's the thing. When you look at Jesus' life, there was something amazing about Jesus and how he prayed. See, his disciples would watch him and he, the words he used. And there was times where Jesus says in Mark that he went off early in the morning and he prayed. And they saw it. And there was something so appealing and there's something to the way Jesus prayed. And so what I want you to understand is, is 
over the next couple this weeks, you might think, well, there's got to be something to this prayer, but I just can't figure it out. Well, we're going to look at kind of how Jesus talks and and what he begins to, to say about prayer. But the other thing is this, is that I want you to just think that prayer is just talking to God. It's so much more than that. And hopefully over this next few weeks that you understand it's not just not help me, bless me, and protect me, although I believe in those and I do those. But there's so much more that God wants from you when it comes to prayer. And so here's where, where we're going to go, and where you can open up to Matthew chapter 6, and, and it's Jesus, and at this time as you turn to Matthew 6, let me just tell you, Jesus is, now he's in the top part of, of Israel, he's in the Sea of Galilee area, he's up on, and he's teaching, and he's sitting down, and he's teaching among people who are following him, and he begins to launch into this famous sermon, you probably have all heard it, probably all know it, it's a Sermon on the Mount, and as he launches into this, people are attractive, and he begins, people begin to lean in. Because he begins to talk about prayer. Look, they've seen how he prayed. They, they understand what he's saying in some aspects of his disciples. But now the crowd starts to lean in on what Jesus says. And Matthew's an eyewitness. And Matthew records it. Matthew's there. And he records exactly what Jesus says and what took place. And as an eyewitness, Matthew records this in chapter 6, verse 5. And he says this. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners and by seen by others. See, when you look at this passage, the, the one thing that sticks out is the place, right? The, the synagogues. They're standing in synagogues. And the place isn't really something you hear about when people are talking about prayer. But when Jesus is talking about that, there's something special in this whole passage that he talks about with the specific place. But here's what he's not saying. Jesus is not saying, hey, look, 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 I don't want you to pray in public. I'm not saying that don't pray in public. I'm not saying don't pray in that. Jesus is not saying that. He's not saying don't pray in church. He's not saying don't pray at the grocery store or for your meal. He's not saying any of that because we have corporate prayer, right? You, you have corporate prayer in churches. You, you pray for your food sometimes. I, I believe when you drive, you're probably playing out loud. There's times maybe you're praying for someone at your work, but he's not saying that. What he's saying is, is yeah, he's talking about them in the synagogues, but really he's looking at their heart. And it's really it's a heart issue. And it's a heart issue of these Pharisees and a heart issue of man. See, something that can be um, right in the beginning and intended to be good can all of a sudden take a twist and, and a turn for the worst. And so he's saying their heart can, can be good, but now it is twisted and it's not, and the prayer is not what it's supposed to be. So back in Jesus' day, they've kind of twisted this whole idea of prayer. It, it's supposed to be this good thing and, and great thing, and it's their heart, and all of a sudden their heart's been twisted, and now that's how it is with the Pharisees. And when he talks about this, when he says, look, when he says he refers to hypocrite, he says, you hypocrites, he's referring to the Pharisees. All right, again, he's not concerned with where they're standing, okay? It was normal to stand and pray back then. What he's concerned about is their intentions of how they're praying. So he's concerned, again, with what's going on in the inside, not standing. And as he begins to, to do this, he says, someone who is a hypocrite is those who have this action. And the Pharisees, you're more concerned about man and approval of man and saying things in front of man than you are about God. He says, you're a hypocrite. You do all these righteous things, but all your righteous things are with the wrong intentions. They're to impress man. But you really don't have this relationship with God. 
And so as he begins to uh, unpack this, Jesus would say this, that there, it, it was, that he begins to say it's not about this, this people just kind of giving it to man, but basically it's with God. And, and Jesus in chapter, in Luke chapter, I just, he begins to launch a parable. And here's what he says. He says that there's a Pharisee who begins to pray and there's a tax collector who get, begins to pray. And as the Pharisee begins to pray, he, he Jesus launches into this parable in Luke, and he says this, and he says, well, the Pharisee walks around and says, oh, God, I'm so thankful that I'm not a murderer, and I'm not a hypocrite, and I'm not horrible, and I'm not this, and I am definitely not like this tax collector. And of course, the tax collector is standing there, and he's sitting there. And you're thinking, the tax collector's like, oh my, what in the world? But he does it so he can be heard. He wants a tax collector to hear him. And of course, a tax collector, he is not even righteous. He says, God, I'm not even righteous. And he beats his chest and says, I am a sinner. Would you have mercy on me, God? And would you just forgive me? And there's these two ideas of uh, this tax collector who is the worst of the worst, crying out to God, asking for forgiveness and praying wholeheartedly to God, and you have this Pharisee over here who is saying, well, I hope everybody hears me to how righteous I am. And see, isn't it true that sometimes you could, some people pray because they want other people to hear them? And that's what these Pharisees did, but also there's some people when it, when it comes to prayer, it's almost like a one-sided conversation. Right? And, and you've been into a, to a one-on-one, um, conversation with someone and you know either they're not listening or they're just talking way too much because they're so concerned about what they have to say you can't say anything been in that spot where you're having a conversation and they're just talking they're talking you're like okay you just like to hear yourself talk you don't say it but you're thinking it and then maybe you're talking to someone and and they give you this body language like as they're talking to you they kind of look around or you can tell by their feet they're ready to go. They're not fully squared up and, and engaged with you. Or the worst is, is when someone pulls out their phone and they're like pretending to answer a text or whatever they're doing, but they're not engrossed in what you're saying. And it's almost like you're talking to yourself. And it's kind of frustrating. And sometimes prayer, it's like that. We just have this one-sided conversation with God. And the reality is, in all of this, that Jesus' point is that this specific group of people, these Pharisees, are having this one-sided conversation, and all they're doing is they're talking so people can hear them. It's not really to the Lord. It's just kind of like, well, I hope everybody hears how great and religious I really am by how I pray and who I am. And so true prayer is one that is offered to God. Now, you're probably thinking, well, duh, like, of course, Right, true prayer is offered to God. Well, think about this. How many people in the world today pray to false gods? How many people pray today and, and they're doing kind of their, their thing and they're, they're praying to some sort of God, hoping that he'll answer? It's not true prayer. And how many people be, pray to people that walked before us and they call them saints or they call them some other type of person they hold a high regard for them and they pray to them see that's not true prayer true prayer is when it's offered to the one the only one 
And that's God himself. It's not a false God. It's not a saint. It's not the mother Mary. It's not any of that. And that's what kind of, see, and even if you, you, you do that, he, he says, look, it's not about what men, and it's not about that, and it's not praying to someone else besides God. There's something else that happens. And, and so, years ago, it even happens in church, and years ago, there was a minister in the New England area, and he prayed this prayer in, in his, in his congregation, and it was a great prayer. I mean, great prayer. And he prays this, this prayer and everybody goes away and they go, Oh man, that was just a fantastic prayer. And he even said, Oh, can you believe that prayer was so, so great? And here's the thing about the preacher. You're thinking, well, wait a second. You were more concerned about what you said and who heard it than being in the presence of the Almighty God. And I thought about that and I'm like, is that me? Is that us? Do we get so concerned with that when we're praying in public that we have to say the right things and I hope they feel that I'm I'm good enough or I'm spiritual enough instead of just being and open up in our heart to the Almighty God and in the presence of Him? And see, sometimes we, we do that and sometimes we have that and that's our, that's our intentions and, and He would say, look, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's Pharisees and that's hypocrites. And then prayer is more than just saying when people are saying something when people are around. Jesus says this, in the next verse, he says, prayer is a conversation with God that is so much more. It's so much more intimate and it's so much personal than you can imagine. And he would say this in, in the second part of, of verse 5 here. He says, or verse 6, excuse me. He says this. He says, but, well, excuse me, let me back up to verse 5. Here's what he says. He says, anybody who talks like that and begins to pray more and they care more about what they say when people are around, here's what he says. He says, truly I tell you, they received their reward in full. So he basically says, good job. If you, like the preacher or anybody else, think that you are just going to pray so somebody can hear you and feel how spiritual you are, Jesus would say, good for you. There's your reward. Way to go. You prayed so they could hear you. Good job. And Jesus says it's not like that. It's, it's more of a conversation, and it's not just so people can hear you, but it is personal and intimate than you can ever imagine. And, and then he begins to say this in verse 6. Okay, Verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. See, now, if we're honest with ourselves, we would not carve out time. We don't carve out time, really, to pray. I mean, yeah, you know, we have our occasional, like we're driving, and we're like, oh my gosh, I've got to pray, I've got this test, I've got this interview, I've got this job, I've got to see this person, oh my gosh, there's conflict at my work, and we start praying. And it's kind of like just a little microwave, just boop, boop, and we're done. And we go on with our day. And see, if we're honest, usually when we pray, we, we do it on a hurry and it comes quick. God, would you fix this situation? Would you show up? Would you do it on my timeline? Would you do it now? And we kind of give God kind of this wish list. Because when we pray in a hurry, we're not really concentrating in the presence of God. We're more concerned about our wish list than what he wants to say and speak to us. And I'm guilty of as anybody else. But as he begins to, to unpack this, he says, look, if you want to have a relationship with me, if, if you want to have a relationship with someone, you have to be intentional with them, don't you? You have to be intentional, carve out time, and, and, and begin to talk to them. And if you carve out time with a friend, you carve out time with somebody, what happens? Over a period of time, the relationship gets better and better and better, and the relationship can grow and grow and grow. 
And so he begins to say that. And, and here's why this is important, because most of the time when we pray, not just you, but even myself, most of the time when we pray, it's more of a duty than it is a privilege. How many times have we sat and we, we got into a place where we prayed and we're like, okay, I got five minutes. All right. And we kind of put a time limit on it. Or we're so, and maybe you're like this and I've done this. And so I'm just from experience where you start to pray and it's hard to get quiet. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this, this and this. Okay. Lord, okay. And you go right to your tasks. And we kind of just kind of pass it right through. But I love this quote, and it's not supposed to be a duty. It's a privilege to be in the presence of God. It's a privilege to talk to him. It's a privilege to get to know him. It's a privilege to be intimate with him. And so here's what, what I, I like what he says, and, and, and I'll give you this quote in a second, but let me, let me take you back a little bit, because when he says room, when he says go to your room and close the door, here's the thing what Jesus was saying. That the room was kind of the storehouse or it was this room where it had no windows and no one could see in from the outside. And see, it was a place where it was just you and God. There was no distractions, nothing. Nobody could see you. Nobody could hear what you were saying. It was just you and God. So when he says, go in your room, close the door and begin to just talk to him and begin to pray to him. And there's just something that, that happens when you're in there without any distractions. And I love what, what this, this evangelist says and, and, and Bible teacher, and his name is Dr. Reuben Torrey, and here's what he says. He says, we should never utter a word, one syllable of prayer, either in public or private, until we are definitely conscious that we have come into the presence of God and we are actually praying to him. What a tough thing to hear because if you're anything like me there are times when I don't do that and there are times I have those microwave prayers and I pray when I'm in a hurry and I think about tasks and I think about this but see we can't he says look until you're conscious that you are in the actually the presence of God then you should begin to pray and see that's what Jesus says go to your room shut the door be in the presence of God begin to speak Begin to talk to him. And then he would begin to say this. He says, once Jesus says, once you go to your room, it's just you and God, and there will be a reward. And he says here, it's more like a promise. Look at what he says. It's the second part of verse 6. Then your father, who has done, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice the words here. The father who is in secret is now one who the one who sees in secret now is not in secret look at seeing in secret god rewards you and you know what the reward is relationship it's relationship it's relationship with god 100% and so he created you and he created me for a purpose of relationship he created us to have a relationship look he came look for you and for me Right? To what? To mend or break the, break the sin out of our lives and bring us back to a close relationship with Him. He had a relationship with who? Adam and Eve since the beginning. It's about relationship. And here's what I want you to understand. Kind of the bottom line for today, today is this, is that intentional prayer gives way to an intimate relationship 
With who? With God. See, intentional prayer gives way for an intimate relationship with him. Intimate relationship with him. It's where he knows you and you know him. He begins to speak to you. He begins to touch you. He begins to tell you, hey, this is what you need to do. And look, the, the, the relationship is this. It's marked by closeness and connection. It's just not nearly just speaking to God. It's actually that you get to know him. You get to hear his voice, what he wants for your life. You spend pre- time in the presence with him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes even for me, that's difficult. It's very, very difficult. See, because we can go through our whole lives and we can talk to God and never feel connected. We can never feel close to him. See, there's times where we, where we push off times of, of going to that, that solid place or to our room or to wherever it is that we need to go to pray, and we miss out. And we miss out on what he wants to speak to us, what he wants to say to us. We miss out on a relationship with him. And see, I think when you begin to, to reverse that, regular time that we spend with him means a regular basis that he begins to speak to us and we begin to know him a little bit more each and every day. We get to know him in a personal, intimate relationship. And as, as we say that, there's something special when you're intentional with your relationship with him. But here's, here's the pushback, and I understand that. Some of you are thinking here right now, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. So you're telling me you want me to be close to God. Do you know I can't even be close to people? Let's just be honest here. Some of us in here, we don't get really close to people, right? We get into part of the relationship, and as soon as it starts to go deep or it starts to they'll know about us, we're like, oh, we take a step back. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that you want me to be close to him? Yes. And for some of us, that's hard because we view our relationships with other people the way we review, view our relationship with God, and it's just the opposite. You don't have, you, look, I want you to be close. I want you to have that intimate relationship with Him. And maybe for some of you, you just kind of, kind of put that aside and not put aside your fear, put aside the things that, that are hindering you and, and just kind of begin to step into that intimate relationship He wants for you. And then there's some of you, you're sitting here, you're like, okay, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can, right? I don't know if I can do this. You're asking me to do something, and I'm not sure I can do it, and the reason why I can't do it is because, again, I'm not spiritual enough. And I didn't grow up in the church. And I'm not as good as her. Or I'm not as good as him, and I can't pray as good as that person. I just can't do that. Look it. Prayer is not for perfect people. Because if it was, none of us would be able to pray. And it's not for super spiritual people either. So get that out of your head. God just, look, God just wants a relationship with you. A personal, intimate, carved out time where he can begin to speak to you, where you become in the presence of God, and you begin to hear his voice, and he directs you on the way you're supposed to go. And it's much more than that. He can speak a lot of things to you. But you, want, you, you can't do that if you don't are not intentional about your time, if you're not intentional about spending time with him. And so what you have to do, if that's just your excuse and you're saying, oh my gosh, I'm just too spirit, I'm not spiritual enough, look, get that out of your head. Because none of us are spiritual enough to pray. 
We might, we might, you might think we are, but we're not. Again, it's just an intimate relationship he wants to have with you. And then some of you, you're like, well, I'm just frustrated and I'm discouraged. I can't pray anymore. This whole prayer thing frustrates me. I'm discouraged. And the reason why you're frustrated is because you probably prayed a prayer and you prayed for someone to be touched. And you're like, okay, if there's one prayer that God's going to answer, he's going to heal my Aunt Betty. And all of a sudden, you pray, and you're praying, and you're praying, and Aunt Betty doesn't turn around, she goes for the worst. And it's worse, and the disease, and all of a sudden, she dies, and you're like, why did I even pray? Does God not even care? The one prayer I pray is that he would heal my aunt, and he doesn't do it. And so then you get frustrated, and then you get discouraged, and you're like, this is, this prayer is pointless. He might hear, but he doesn't answer me. And you're so frustrated with it. And the reason why you're frustrated is because, A, you don't understand who God is. And, A, you don't see the big picture. See, you don't understand the big picture. If you knew the big picture, if you saw the way God saw, if you saw everything, then guess what would happen? Then you wouldn't be discouraged and you wouldn't be frustrated. You would trust him. Then he knows what he's doing and he's in complete control. And I know that's difficult for a lot of us. But if you're in that place, look, God says, look, come to me. I will heal your broken heart. He gives you the Holy Spirit. Come alongside of you in your pain and in your grief. And he can, he can restore, he can heal, he can touch you. But he can't if you have a stiff arm towards him. And the other thing is, is the problem with most of us is this when it comes to prayer, is we're too busy. I hear that a lot. Well, I'm too busy. I gotta work 40 hours. I gotta go home. I gotta cook dinner. I gotta pay attention to my kids. I gotta be a good dad. I gotta be a good wife. I got I got friends. I got this. I got all this stuff. I'm working two jobs. I can't do there's no no. Let me tell you this. Busyness is the enemy of intimacy. Say that again. Busyness is the enemy of intimacy. How can you be intimate with your heavenly father? How can you be how can you at all? How can you at all, listen, be intentional if you're busy? How can you spend time in the presence of God if you're always busy and always making excuses? How can you do that? You can't. And see, I understand it because, look, if I'm busy, then I'm just going to give God a mediocre approach. I'm just going to give a mediocre relationship. Because it comes at a time where, like, I don't have enough time. I, I got to think about my tasks, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. And then all of a sudden, I come to the end of the day, and God, you get, you get my leftovers. Can you imagine if I gave my family my leftovers? Be horrible. But a lot of us give God our leftovers. Like we got so much more important things to do than spend time in the presence of God. Look, and I'm not perfect. I'm just, I struggle just like you do. But what he wants is he wants us to be intentional. And see, busyness, is, we have a world that pushes us to busyness. It has, it has a tendency to push us to a place where we've got to fill our schedules up. And there's some of us in here where we don't know what slow down means. We don't know what slow down means. See, God didn't have to take, he didn't have to rest a day because he had to. He was making a point. See, we've got to slow down and take time with him. And so for some of us in here, that's what we have to do. Listen, nothing hand in my life, I don't think, when I make decisions, 
I don't make random decisions. I just don't look. I think about things over a, a quite some time. I mull over decisions. I take time when I take decisions, and nothing I do is by chance when I make a decision. I weigh all the costs and the benefits and all that stuff. Look, when I moved down here, the one decision I made was I decided that since I was lonely, that I would make phone calls to my friends and to my family. Look, I can't do that if I'm not intentional. If I didn't spend, say, hey, so-and-so, I'm going to call you once a month. They didn't know I was lonely. But I was intentional because I wanted to have a relationship with them. I call my dad because I want to have a relationship with him. Look, it's the same thing with God. Some of us, we have to take take time in our lives and we got to say, look, we got to get rid of this, rid of this busyness. And if I want something to work, if I want something to grow, if I want my relationship with God to grow, then what happens is, is this, I have to be intentional about my time. And so what is it for you? Maybe there's a place this week. Maybe there's a place where you need to carve out or time you need to carve out and you need to carve out time where you say, okay, Lord, this is exactly where I want to spend time and this is what I'm going to do. And some of you, you might have to rearrange your plans and you have to rearrange your schedule. See, for some of you, you might have to say, okay, I'm going to get up 20 minutes early and I'm going to set my alarm 20 minutes early and I'm going to spend time with the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And some of you might just, before I go to work, man, I got work, and then before everything gets hustle and bustle, I'm going to just spend 10 minutes with him. And it might go longer. But you have to, you have to make an, an effort to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I have to rearrange my schedule because it's not what's more important. The most important thing is the presence and prayer with him. It's important. Spend time with him. Do you know what I find true is my day goes better if I'm spending time with him. My day goes horrible if I kind of put it off. It refocuses me, what I'm here to do and, and what God wants to do in my life. He speaks to me. And for some of you, you just need to do that. So I just don't want you to think prayer is just talking to God. We'll talk about it next week. It's, it's more than that. It's an intimate, close relationship and connection with him. And some people get frustrated because they can't hear the voice of God. Well, they're not spending time in the presence of God to actually hear his voice. And so I want you to go out making a decision saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do this week and how I'm going to do it. And I don't want you to come to a place that, that you just are missing out on what he has for your life. And so this week, what are you going to do? How are you going to carve out time? And where, when are you going to carve out time? And if you're going to pray anyways, wouldn't you like to connect with God on a different level? Wouldn't you like to connect with him, just not these microwave prayers, but actually connect with him? Because in, uh, intentional prayer, what? Brings about an intimate relationship. So here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to help you. And here's what I'm going to do for the next week, three weeks. We're going to set out to pray. And so what I'll do is, if you are on that number, the, the, the number that we do, and it's connect number, we're going to send a message out after service, and we're going to say, do you want daily prayer guides or, or daily prayer guides? Just hit yes. If you don't, it doesn't bother me. But what I'm going to do is over the next 
course of days. Some will be longer, some will be shorter. I'll send you a text message, and I'll kind of give you just kind of a prayer that you can pray before the Lord, kind of a little devotion, a verse, and help you and get right with the Lord and, and begin to pray for 21 days. And then maybe the sum will be longer. I might send you a text that says, hey, check your email for today's prayer and devotion. But see, I want to cultivate and help you cultivate a relationship with God because, again, you can't just go over the basics. The basics and the fundamentals are important. And I want for you everything that God has for your life. And so over the next 21 days, I'm, I want to do that. But before I let you go, let me just pray for you. And, and I just pray that God would begin to speak to you. He'd begin to touch you. And you begin to have a different relationship. Look, I'm not there yet. I'm like anybody else in this room. I'm not perfect. There's days I struggle with this, but I want God to give us courage to make time and to spend time. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.